Today on Kettle of Fish, actor William Sanderson stops by to talk about pondering the future while writing about the past. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty, welcome to our Kettle of Fish segment, our special little mini episode on this Tin Can Media launch. We've got Dwayne here, we've got Fern here, and today's guest is one of my personal favorites from television and movies, Mr. William Sanderson. William, how you doing this morning? I'm fine, how are you? I'm doing I... great. We're a little bit nervous, big 12-hour show, but besides that, I am doing awesome. Wow. Well, can I congratulate you? you got a new launch, you're of a new podcast moving up right um we're uh, it's a lateral move i hope we're moving up i guess it depends on how the fans react to today's show right we are the jeffersons we are the jeffersons thank you William. we are moving on up to the east side I'm going to knock on wood. I'm not superstitious, but you're outgrowing me, I can tell. (laughs) I don't think so, William. You are a television icon. Never. Let me hit this point real quick, guys. Um, Last time we talked to William, he had mentioned something about working on some memoirs. Is that something you're still doing? Are you putting together memoirs? Because that's something I'm definitely interested in reading. Oh, I'm sitting here trying right before I... uh, I think producer D is mad at me. She said, don't say hello. <laughs> and I said, I'm doing two or three things at once. I am writing it, and uh, it uh, gives me nightmares. But, uh, you know, I don't have to have it published. I can let the grandchildren read it. Wow, you've got to get a copy over to the Kettle of Fish family, though. I definitely want to read about that. Can I ask one thing since you brought it up? If anybody listening wants to ever email me and tell me what would they like to hear in a book they could do it by emailing william at williamsanderson.net because this is a i'm not a writer but i'm i'm doing the best i can you're going to get some input from me definitely all right let me hit this i, I want i want to hit this Nick, point go ahead Dwayne. i would love to hear a, a lot about your deadwood uh filming I, I that your character on deadwood is my absolute favorite and i would just love yeah the way pretty obsessed that. with Eat i would Farm. love to read about that in a book. Oh, well thank the, you that, that was a lot of fun and i was lucky to be in every show but they're still threatening to do a movie of the week or two movies but they called me recently but that's 10 years ago and it could happen i let my hair grow anyway see what happens has it been <laughs> 10 years i can't believe it yeah wow. but it it Plays evident, but one of the reasons they want to do it, it's pretty popular in, uh, I don't know, streaming, uh, DVDs, or what have you. I, d- I don't know. But listen, I get ahead of you. You mentioned Deadwood, and I could talk an hour about it. <laughs> well, let's talk about this. I'm moving all my shows, all, all our shows, excuse me, all our shows over to Tin Can Media. I'm writing show notes. I'm going back and listening to it. And you were talking about some of the great actors that you've gotten to work with over the years just some of the people who you respect and you've gotten to work with and it made me kind of wonder following up on that creatively let's take money completely out of it creatively what's more important to you to work with actors that you enjoy that you admire on just a mediocre film like you know star trek 12 or something like that something you know it's going to be what it is 
or to work on a project that is really creative plot-wise, that has really good writing, that has really good lines, that has really good interaction between the characters. But with it, it's a bunch of new people. They're rough around the ed- edges, and it's going to be—it's not going to be a giant hit. You know, it's going to be more of an indie film. What gives William Sanderson more personal satisfaction? Working with people you admire and enjoy working with on a giant project, or doing an indie film and really digging in and doing the work creatively? Oh, it's a great question, but uh, I'm, uh, you take those jobs for different reasons, and uh, I love working with Academy Award types, and uh, they uh, got that award for a reason, and they're great for bragging rights. Also, they're usually big enough projects that they will get into the theaters, which means residuals or royalties, and but I, each one's different. I, I was... I said something, what will I say here? That the, uh, Because a lot of the ones that I worked with that I loved are dead, but I, I worked with young ones when they were just extras or breaking in, Bill Paxton or Jeremy Renner's one I loved, and Mark Ruffalo. So I wanted to mention some names that were still alive. Of course, Angelina Jolie, but uh, it really, you hope you get a good script, and the the rest is... Uh, rolling dice to see if it comes out a good movie. But it, my memoir is kind of about bragging rights or vanity or ego. So I might brag about working with them, and uh, I did. I just hobnobbed. Is that the word? You know, that they, sounds they like the word. Yeah. They don't call. They don't call me, but I did survive six jobs with Tommy Lee. He'll be in the book, and was wow. offered the seventh uh, job on. Uh, a Batman, and I, I hated that I couldn't take it because Jim Carrey was in it, and I like him. But I had John Frankenheimer, man, I'm really dropping names, wouldn't let me out of the rehearsal. But uh, I just loved to work and was very lucky over the years. But I be honest, I did a lot of bottom feeders, you know. But I what? think uh, I should have been nicer to some of them. I was kind of cocky. Wow. And that, you, that's a great segue into my next question. When you do those movies and you said you had done some movies with some brand new people to the industry, come you know, people up and coming, do you take a mentor role when you're on set or do you kind of just do your thing and let them do their thing? Well, I just uh, – I kept pretty much to myself, but I'm, I'm pretty proud and I've heard people say when guest stars came on Newhart, that I was nice to them, and uh, 30-something years later, I still get an invitation to wedding reception. But when this comes from makeup people, they remember. I just always knew how lucky I was. It's hard to follow me, man, a stream of consciousness. It, I knew how lucky I was to have a regular job, and I knew what it felt like to be a guest star and come in when you didn't know anybody. So I tried to be nice to them, but... Uh, make them feel welcome. Uh, maybe I worried about it too much. Well, I'm following you totally, really? um, William. Oh. oh, yeah, of course. Fern, you're following what William's saying, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, if I want to go back to your book a little bit. I know I'm kind of backtracking here, but it doesn't matter what you write. I'm going to get your book. And if you could do a uh, an audio version you just make me smile every time I hear you talk, every, every time we speak on the phone, every time I see your work, which is amazing. Um, you just make me smile. 
And yeah, you're one of the most I, down-to-earth people we have talked to and absolutely one of my favorite guests. So if you do an audio version, and I'm not big, big into audio books, that would be amazing. Well, thank you so much. You know, uh, uh, Tommy Lee Jones said I had a lot to be humble about. So uh, I'll write that in the book. He could be pretty uh, cold at times, but I loved working with him. Hey, uh, uh, the book, though, is different because I'm not a writer, and the last time I did any was in law school, and I was memorizing things, which is what I did for decades as an actor. Now to come up with something that won't bore people to death is different, but... uh, I bet all three of you all, or producer D, certainly can write. And I don't profess, but I'll put it down. I've seen convicts write the spelling's wrong, the uh, syntax is wrong, but what they had to say was interesting. Well, you have so much history, though. And, I mean, you've come on here and told so many great stories, and I guess I'll have you tell one on here too I, I love hearing your stories i mean they're just there's so much history there and i always tell you know the crew unless something giant happens unless we just go viral or explode and a hundred years from now 50 years after we're gone nobody's probably going to be googling kettle of fish or ignorance equation but how do you process this information a hundred years after you're gone there there's probably going to be people still looking up and watching True Blood episodes or Deadwood episodes. Your part, you are moving in to the cultural tapestry of Americana now. That is just a plain and simple truth. You can't escape. Well, thank you. I, I, my head's swelling. But uh, I, uh, you mentioned Deadwood and Blade Runner. It's odd how Blade Runner, may I mention that? It's a yeah, absolutely. Sci-fi, sci-fi cult film. Not everybody's cup of tea. But now they're shooting the sequel with Harrison Ford and Robin Wright and a bunch of wonderful young actors. And who would have thought 30 years later, I just want it to do well. Then then they'll run Blade Runner again, which they do, which will bring residuals for the grandchildren, uh, Jungle Jim sets, you know. But another one, they just, Rocketeer didn't do so well with Bill Campbell and had Alan Arkin playing the mechanic. And now they're going to remake that 25 years later, with a black actress playing the part of Bill Campbell, the Rocketeer. So, I mean, it takes a long time. I hope you're right that people remember something that I did. But I got an invitation to a screening screening in L.A. Monday night for another 25, 30-year-old film called Ballad of Gregorio Cortez. If you're is this live? I mean, your people in L.A. should go try to see that movie. Yes, it is absolutely live. Motion Picture Academy on Wilshire. Edward James Olmos is a star with a bunch of wonderful character actors. When it came out years ago, they're remastering it. It's digitalized. They put the DVDs out. I'm really wound up. I should let you ask questions. But William, it, I just want to say, William, I just want to say, what what really strikes me about you is how you always mention your grandchildren. And that that just hits a point with me. I don't have grandchildren yet, but I bet you are a wonderful grandfather where you're always thinking about them. And, and I just, I find that out of all the interviews we've done with you, I find that the most touching and the most, most wonderful thing someone can say. Well, <laughs> thank you, but I can't lie about my age. I just, we just took four of them to Hershey Park and these great roller coasters, which I... Yes. Till they finished, but they had a ball, and I got a super senior discount, you know. But 
That, that's stick. what I'm looking forward to in a couple of years. I'm looking forward to <laughs> Well, me and Dwayne are from the Pittsburgh area, and I don't know if you did this, Dwayne, because we went to the same high school, but I've been on field trips to Hershey Park as a kid, as well as yeah, Kennywood. Never to Hershey. Only Kennywood. Never to Hershey. Well, it's kind of a special place, both. Kennywood is... I'm sorry? Kennywood's an amusement park in Jerosburg, Pennsylvania, on the Pittsburgh I'm sure. side. I'm sure my wife would know it. We took them. Uh, anyway, I'll start talking about them. But, uh, you know, uh, that's part of the reason we're back here. Thank you for the nice words. Uh, but my ego never goes away. Oh, man. Well, let's shift about- gears then and talk about Griddle House because we talked about it a little bit before. And I, can you tell me, one, why projects get put on back burners, why they take so long, and why things just get totally scrapped? I talk to people all the time who have projects coming up, and then you talk to them the next time, and they're just completely gone. What is this black hole that all I, of this I, I really, I really don't know. I said to Sharon, my beautiful wife from Pennsylvania, uh, about it. I said, I guess a producer just keeps turning these out and gets his salary and moves on to his next movie. That was a Christian-based project, but it had a wonderful moral. I just received an email. It leads me to something. Why take low-budget films? People ask that all the time. Harrison Ford was very, very choosy for years, and it worked. I took everything they gave me initially not not anymore but anyway i got an email from one of the actors in that movie and there's a cliche work begets work i'm not looking but he says uh oh i don't even know where the letter is Hell, he he wants me to get involved with something he's the actor a big handsome african-american actor that i complimented and now he's writing and asking me to get involved with a project he's pitching to Netflix, AMC, um, Amazon. But who would think I did that low-budget movie, didn't have any expectations, but two years later, one of the actors wants me to be in a passion project of his own. Did any of that make any sense, Nick? William, you always make sense to us. I love listening to you. I could just listen to you. Like um, Fern said, book on tape. And just listen to you talk. It's always a pleasure. Let me kind of ask you this then going into that. Can you walk away from this? Can you retire and say, that's it, I wipe my hands of this? Or, you know, I'm just going to relax in my golden years? Or are you just going to work until you shuffle off this mortal uh, mortal coil like a lot of people do? Do you have to just keep doing the work because that's who you are? That's That's a tough question, to be honest. Some people say to retire is to expire. I know you need something to do or suicide. A famous book, you get cynical. I probably said it before, suicide or suicide. Now she's back in the business, but I don't have to work. It's a great one more time, but it might be ridiculous. Everybody's older, you know, and, and it so I don't know. I don't, uh, but can I retire? Uh, there's, uh, I just, uh, to be honest, it's hard when you're older and you think you know everything and you're working with young people. Intellectually nimble, don't move as fast. I don't know about it. I mean, no actor wants to retire. 
I, I don't know, William. I, I, I think some of the younger people, and I'm not saying actors in general, but younger people, I think, they don't have the intellect that older people have. I think as long they as don't have the perspective. Active, yeah, as long as you're staying mentally active, like you, William, or whatever, I think your knowledge alone will supersede any of their speed, the perceived speed that they might have. I think younger people today are flaky. They're they're flaky. They're airheaded. I would take maturity and wisdom over speed any day. So I would not well, be a bother. I, I thank you. You you told me you talked to Jamie Farr. That'd be a good question for Jamie, right? He's still well and busy, right? Travels. And he's still doing theater, and he doesn't seem like he's ever going to stop. Fern, you want to chime in here? Yeah, I was going to say. I think I think when it comes to age, and this is something that in my you know when I was working as an optician, I worked with uh, pediatrics, I worked in retail, and I worked geriatrics. Wow. And I have found that with age, the younger you are, the more you think you know, and the uh-huh. older you are, the more you actually know and have to impart. And if the younger generation would put their ego aside and listen to experience and actual knowledge, they would gain so much more and be so much more fruitful in what they do versus thinking they know it all and ignoring the experience. So I definitely... Yeah. You know, I definitely can see where that would would be difficult. Yeah, um, the younger ones seem to want experience, but the older ones want energy. And you have to, you know, remember that. With I, YouTube I and everything and, and, and media being so accessible, anybody can make a YouTube video. When you work with younger people, do you find a lack of complete history or respect for the past coming up and the theater, the true roots of cinema? Oh, no, the best ones I know did theater, especially in New York. The lucky ones maybe in England, but no, the best ones may have gone to Yale Drama School, and I started painting sets in Tennessee so hard to get my nerve up, you know, but uh, I started late after law school in the Army, but uh, I was grateful for the time in New York, and uh I, I remember something, I got to meet Jack Lemmon and be in a scene with him briefly. Again, I'm talking about dead actors but uh people said uh, were actors intelligent and he said i never met a good one that wasn't wow um going back to your point was starting out late in the um cinematic world in television was that a plus because you had a little bit more ground under your feet or was it kind of a handicap because you were getting a later start than people who were ahead of you ah Ah, that's a good question. I guess uh, would I have been better served going to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts in England instead of three years in law school, but I was very, very shy. But once I started doing the theater and they applauded in my rehearsal, which I've probably already said, I said, hmm, maybe I can do this. And and I fell in love with it and... uh so I didn't. I wasn't smart enough to think. My brother said, "I think you've made a mistake." When he saw me living in a lousy apartment in New York with a bathroom across the hall, but later when I was on Newhart, and among other things, he said, "I think I made a mistake." Do you I, tend to romanticize those times back when you were a struggling actor and just, oh, this is a big deal. I'm doing this. I mean, the thrill level of working with someone you admire had to be a, a lot more intense then than the hundredth time you've done it. Do you tend to look back and romanticize it? 
Oh, yeah, and probably twist my memory. Uh, but it was a real struggle, and uh, it's, uh, it's very competitive, and you, you get fired from this job, bartending. How, when I got fired from a bartending job, I was scared to death in New York, but I got my first paying theater job, so I don't know. Uh, hey, I spend more on one dinner in New York recently. We went to see the play Kinky Boots with Sharon, and... Uh, I spend more on one dinner than my rent cost for one month in the 70s. I don't know. Everything's Ouch. relative. Everything's relative. <laughs> but it's good to look back and see where you were and where you've come. We've only got a couple seconds left here. Um, I, I'm, this is stuck in my head now that it's been 10 years since Deadwood, and I forgot to ask this to you. Deadwood, the Deadwood movie, and I don't know if you know this or this information has been revealed to you, are they planning on doing Deadwood as taking place 10 years later to see where yeah. – so they are going to do it 10 years later. Do you think it's better that way to just kind of picking up where it left off? Because it did kind of end abruptly. I, I don't know. I don't know, and I'm not uh, – I'm on a need-to-know basis, but uh, – I know that one of the big executives got replaced, and when that happens, sometimes the new guy only wants his projects. Uh, otherwise, he wouldn't get credit for it. But David Milch is still there, furiously writing. He owes the uh, IRS $17 million. So oh. he, he went through $100 million, the creator of our show, gambling. And uh, he's a mess, but he can write. It would be interesting doing 10 years later because right after the filming finished, uh, at some point, Deadwood actually burned to the ground. Right. So it would be interesting to see the new Deadwood rebuilt. They actually put in brick streets or paved streets afterwards and see the new set. I would love to see it 10 years later. That would be that would be amazing. That would well, truly be got, awesome. He's got scripts and some involve a fire, but... Uh, I, I, one called me and sniffing me out would I be willing to do it, and I, I don't even trust him. I don't know. Can I tell you something about something you said earlier? About yeah, please do. Back? I'm trying to write this book. When you talk about looking back, and this psychiatrist said, it's okay to look back, but don't stare. And so I'm trying to write a book, and I stare into my childhood, which was uh, not so always happy, you know, but... Uh, I just I thought of it when you said not good to stare. You know we have disappointments and a lot of stuff in your background, but I don't know what it has to do with what we're talking about. Well, as somebody, let let me make this point real quick, Wayne. As somebody who had a very turbulent childhood. And I think I carried a lot of that with me. I mentioned it on our political show from time to time. My relationship with my dad to this day. Um, I think that people who come from a rougher background, that just gives you more to pull off of creatively, right? I think that's actually kind of a gain in the um, cinematic world. You're absolutely right. The famous Russian Stanislavski acting teacher said what people take as talent is sometimes merely the culmination of previous day's problems. So I, I wouldn't change too much, but they give me nightmares. More so when I'm trying to write. And, but uh, pity party, you know, who wants to read about a pity party? 
Well, yeah, but well, is I, that a catharsis going back and writing the memoirs? Are you getting some kind of closure out of writing it? Or is it, like you said, giving you nightmares where the experience is kind of an awful experience revisiting? Uh, some parts are more fun to write about than like when I met my wife or hanging with Elvis, listening to him play the piano in Graceland. You know, there's certain memories that are fun. Uh, but, you know, they, my parents, they did, I guess, the best they could do, but... Uh, I, I may not put anything in that, but I would love to write another book and write warts and all. But Yes, that's the book I want to read. Um, Dwayne, I'm going to let you have the last word because we got to get the next guest in here. I, I've, I've always said if, if humans had time machines, none of us would live in the future. We'd all live in the past going back trying to change our mistakes and get reading. I love it. That's, <laughs> that's a badger quote, I'd be terrified to change anything I'd come back in my life I might, maybe I wouldn't have met Dee maybe I wouldn't have had the same daughter I may have a different daughter I wouldn't I wouldn't go back and mess with anything except no, I, I wouldn't have a mullet like I would get rid of the mullet uh, uh, I, uh, I can't make my hair look right trying to let it grow out in case they do Deadwood but look you know I talked about the book, and thanks for letting me. It's a, it takes a long, long time, and I have to get some help with it. Yes, I gave up that. on mine, so more power to you if you can struggle through it, because I started, and it was just too cumbersome for me. It was too time-consuming. So uh, you, there's a lot you to You and Mick said. Jagger. You and yeah. Mick Jagger. He said, i got other things to do. I'm busy. You know, I found it dull. But, uh, you know, you got to have something to do to get you through the day. And I, I, like I said, the, the grandchildren can read it. Very true, very true. All right, William, tell everybody, as always, this has been a pleasure, and I do want to thank you. Please tell everybody where they can find you online. And we never really um, talked about Griddle House. Is that actually happening? Or is well, it... all I know is uh, uh, six weeks ago they sent me a new contract and said, we lost the contract. And I think Sharon said, well, how, what's happening? And they said, well, Weinstein is looking at it. Weinstein is so broke and in such debt. And uh, I was just going to say that, yeah. You know, so I don't know. I just uh, I had fun doing it. And uh, uh, I imagine it's like uh, several, maybe uh, many of them, could be a few dozen low-budget films that nobody ever saw. That is a great point. Let me hit this last point. The process, is that what's important or does it really stick in your crawl when you do a piece of work that you really enjoy and it never makes it out there into the world and no one sees it? Or is it just like I had this experience, I did this process and it's awesome? On the independent films, I never get too many expectations. I love what Susan Sarandon said, whom I got to work with on the client. She said, from action to cut. That's the fun part. The rest of it is, you know. That is a perfect spot to end on. All right, William, tell everybody where they can um, catch you online, where your website is and where everybody can catch you. Well, if they wanted to write, it's William at WilliamSanderson.net. But that's the, uh, the website is WilliamSanderson.net, and it needs updating and all. But I'm really being selfish if somebody will tell me they want to hear about this in the book and I don't want to hear about that saves me time 
Very nice. All right, William. Always a <laughs> pleasure. You, uh, and I, if I have talked to you again, uh, you're outgrowing me, like I said, but I'll try not to interrupt you so much. I don't think we, like I said, William, you're a TV icon. I can't imagine a world where we outgrow you in any capacity. No, nope, right. not at all. Wonderful of you. Thank you, William. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you, Take William. Bye bye. All right, let's move on to the Ignorance Equation segment. Like I said, these are all going to be kind of mini-episodes. And we've got Nagin Frasad on the line, so we have got to get to it. Rushing through this schedule today. We're only an hour or two. D, let us have it. Let's do some Ignorance Equation. All 